been way too long and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Hey guys, welcome to Top 5's and Deep Dives. So this week, we have a topic we've been preparing for for quite a while. Top 5 James Bond films. But right before we get to it, we wanted to first talk about DMX. So rest in peace to DMX. We had a spotlight in mind for this week and... We decided to do it next week instead and just put the spotlight on X because he was such an influential part of both Mike and Mai's childhood that it felt like we we had to to talk about him a little bit right now and so celebrate his life a little bit. Yeah, and I mean I think I mean we just talked about him on the pod for his acting career. Yep. I think for the first time and, and really between our recording that episode and it going up is, is when we found out that he was in the hospital, um, you know, and, and obviously he's since passed and he's just, you know, Justin and I are, are both, we're, I mean, we're both into rap music now, but obviously we grew up with it and DMX was, I mean, at the top of the game for really some of our formative years from like 98 to 2003. A giant. Five consecutive number one albums, and his next album was number two. You know, it's not like he sort of dropped off, and that's from his very, very first album was a number one album. You know, he was absolutely a monster in the game. Just so, and and you know, the support that's come out. There's been a ton of great articles about him. I I, I would encourage everybody to go read them and celebrate his life. But you know, the support is it's almost like Kobe in a sense. You know, for a recent. Uh, a recent comparison he's not on that same say level of fame at least globally but you know so many people right away have just come out and said what he meant to them uh, in the rap community and and obviously outside of it as well so you know big influence on us and then rest in peace and you just have the the most incredible thing obviously dmx he led a troubled life but throughout it all everyone that ever came into contact with DMX has the most incredible story about how nice he was, how humble, how great it's you, you only hear the best stories. I actually, I, I hope he doesn't mind that I share this, but I have a great story from our a dear friend of the pod, Dylan Finnerty. Um, his dad used to be a limo driver in the New Jersey area. And many years ago, he was uh, he went and he picked up 50 Cent and DMX and was driving them to Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. And the entire ride, they just chilled out, listened to jazz music. And Finnerty's dad said DMX was one of the nicest people he, he had ever had the pleasure of driving. And it's that's just incredible. Incredible. And it's just that's the type of guy that he was. I, there's another great story on Twitter that I need to give a real quick shout to where um, 
I forget exactly who it was, but there's uh, a guy and he was at, I think like this, this lunch or something, uh, or a dinner, something at this hotel. DMX happened to be also there. They were sitting next to each other, started, you know, chatting each other up. X eventually, after just sort of opening up to this guy about his life, they end up going outside to smoke a cigarette and DMX just proceeds to tell the guy to take out his a camera and he starts rapping. He starts doing one more road to cross and then proceeds to rap the entire and then there was X album fully through right there on the spot. And after apparently looked at him and I think if I'm wrong with what album he says here, forgive me, but I believe he then looked at him and was like, Hey, you want me to do it's dark and hell is hot now. And they both just like burst out laughing because of course the guy did want him to do it, but they both, I think at that point it had been like an hour and DMX was exhausted. This guy of course, isn't going to stand out. I mean, he could, but probably wasn't going to stand out there forever. And it was just like this beautiful moment, he said. And it's just, you just hear stories like this echoed across the board and they're beautiful. And again, what Mike said, five number one albums from his very first album, only artist to do that in the history of music besides him is Beyonce. It's, he was a giant, a giant and we're going to miss him. And, you know, rest in peace to DMX And as we obviously talk a lot about movies, you got to check out all his movies. Belly, Exit Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, Romeo Must Die. He's he is a fun guy in these movies and these action films. And and if you haven't listened to our episode, I mean, basically, you know, obviously we don't compare our lists at all, you know, going into the app. But out of all musicians, possibly as actors and all the films they've ever been in both of us immediately wanted to bring credit to cradle to the grave and thought that he really, really brought something to the role. So it's, it's not just a gimmick. I mean, watch those films and and obviously listen to his music. Yep. And let, let X live on that way. We'll, 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 we'll miss him. All right. And now to the reason that we are here this week, top five James Bond films, and we have a very special guest this week. It's a fellow podcaster who runs TV Trivia Pod. Help us welcome Brian to the podcast. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and talking James Bond. Love James Bond. Dude, when you so so Brian actually came to us with the idea. He was like, what if we did James Bond films? Mike and I both had honestly not seen we I think all three of us started watching James Bond films during the Pierce Brosnan era and so Mike and I hadn't seen that many and this really was a was a joy to be able to go back and sort of get the proper history see all the Sean Connery films the Roger Moore Timothy Dalton and it was it was it was an awesome watch through but before we even dive further brian i wanted to ask like tell us a little bit about your podcast and everything for for our listeners sure sure so uh i host a podcast called a tv trivia pod where i ask questions about tv shows right now i've covered uh the office rick and morty and the boys uh, and i just keep uh the trivia to things that have happened 
in the show. So we're talking like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? And uh, Dwight owns a bed and breakfast. What are the three themes of his rooms? You know, things like that. So uh, if you enjoy answering questions like that, uh, then podcast is worth checking out. And and you've done two two bonus movie apps, right? Home Alone and I think Blues Brothers. I have done two movies right now. Yep, uh, those two. Yep, I'm I'm hoping to cover more soon. Either uh, the Harry Potter movies or the Marvel ones or Star Wars. You know, uh, yeah. I think after the Office, I'd like to get into those. Nice. Yeah, the the Office is that is that is a beast to tackle, and one of my favorite shows. So I'm I'm excited to listen to more episodes of that one. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. Tell you what, it pays off as well. We did my friends and I did an office trivia round and won a twenty five dollars because we knew our stuff. So hey, uh, it hey, paid off. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, the most I've ever made. Uh, I guess from podcasting or uh, <laughs> via podcasting. So <laughs> I'm glad it's finally paying off. Yes, yeah. yes, that first twenty five dollars. <laughs> it's big <laughs> and then uh you know uh my my mom donated some money to the patreons so. that's, that feels good that is why <laughs> that is why we love our moms that is why yes. we love our moms people first yeah. shout out of the evening to all moms <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah seriously everyone go check out tv trivia pod it is great and and also the, i have to just say to you brian like because we haven't talked about this personally I'm a big The Boys fan as well, so I love that you did that. You've done The Boys, such a good show. The Boys is pretty great. Such a fresh take on the superhero genre as well, uh, which feels like it's almost. It, it feels like it's become saturated at this point, and just to do it that way is quite refreshing. It's incredible, and I mean, Homelander is just whole. I mean, he is just like one of the most interesting characters and that he's just evil and a really cool villain very cool villain but i guess without further ado we'll hop back into james bond and this was again i'm so happy that we did this watch through you did it like last year sort of around the time that no time to die was originally slated to come out right yeah yeah so no time to die was supposed to come out in april of 2020 and to get ready for it, uh, for the first time, like you mentioned, I decided to watch all 24. I was raised with Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. We had the VHS of either um, Die Another Day or uh, The World Is Not Enough. And uh, again, like you said, hadn't really seen too many of the originals uh, one here with Sean Connery and Roger Moore uh, for the most part. And went back and watched them all. And I... Uh, you know, I, I was thinking it'd be one of those things where after I watch 24 of these movies, I might get tired of it. But man, my appreciation for James Bond has only increased after watching all of these movies. Amazing. Amazing. I'm, I was like very, I couldn't believe how many I hadn't seen. I'd seen Dr. No before, and I think I'd seen Moonraker, but otherwise... I had only seen GoldenEye and and Forward. So just the Pierce Brosnan and the Daniel Craig ones. Um, uh, that's even more than me. I'd seen three total going into this. Wow. So it was a, it was a long week. 
Dude, yeah, we I started off GoldenEye. Like, that was the first one that I saw. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it when it came out on, like, on, like, video rental back then. But I saw GoldenEye, and then I saw all the other ones, like, Tomorrow Never Dies Onward in theaters. But, yeah, it's so weird. I don't know how I hadn't. And, I, yeah, I'm so glad I did because it, it really shifts the perspective and – it's just interesting. It's I'm sure we're going to get into it over the course, you know, of the next hour or so. But without further ado, let's get into our lists. We're going to today we're going to go we're going to go me, then we're going to go Brian, then we're going to go Mike. So, I have a question here before we begin. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Uh, were so were you guys able to watch them all? Yep. Yes. Did a full okay. watch. So, uh, so you so first Quick disclaimer, you guys are going to be more up to date, have this fresh in your memory than I do, but I know another big topic of James Bond, I don't I don't know if this is the place to discuss it here or at the end, is uh, is James Bond, have we been watching the same person in all 24 movies, or is it a code name given to people who take the position? 007. So, so I thought it was... A different person each time because that makes the most sense because it's obviously is a different person but then there are a few details where they talk about how james bond was once married they reference that in a few like future movies so that leads me to believe it's supposed to be the same person until daniel craig okay i think i am i am a little bit more just very generally in the in the realm of it's the same person and they tell us all these different sort of tales throughout his throughout his career as an assassin. Obviously, Daniel Craig, it's almost like you get the origin story in the first one. But I don't know. I I honestly had not considered the fact that it James Bond could just be a code name. Oh, I see. so you're saying they go chronologically until Daniel Craig, and then Daniel Craig starts in the beginning? No, no, no. My okay, n- my mistake. That's not what I meant to say. I think they never, they don't necessarily go chronologically. Maybe to a degree, I thought they do, but for the most part, I just think when there's been a new James Bond cast, that it's. I mean, it could just be at any point in in the lifetime. I feel like it's just reset when, like when Connery gives it over to Roger Moore, I feel like, okay, like these could have taken place earlier than certain Connery films later than all. I don't know in and out, but yeah, I've always thought it's the same guy. I've also from the beginning, I was under the impression it was the same guy and not, not a code name. And like, Mike said here, uh, I think I think watching them all now does lend credence to all the same person. The the only time it doesn't is in On Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby when he looks directly at the screen and says, yes, this yes. never happened to the other guy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. One of the silliest moments in all the official films, for sure. I think the only breaking of the fourth wall. I yeah. think you're right, yes. <laughs> the, oh my God, that's hilarious. The, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think as a consensus, the three of us are saying it's the same guy. I Listen, think. Roger Moore got married 
And then Timothy, then that is brought up in Timothy Dalton's James Bonds. Yes. And I think it's brought up once in Pierce Brosnan as well. I, I feel I feel like it does span almost, I definitely, I definitely remember it spanning Timothy Dalton. I, I don't remember the Pierce Brosnan one off the top of my head, but it it's definitely been mentioned before, which also makes me does think that this happened chronologically. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yes. Maybe it's once in more and once in Dalton that it's mentioned. It does seem like with Craig's films, that's where they have really been sort of tweaking the timeline, so to say. Yes. Now, that said, I do also think that if James Bond were to die, he would be replaced by a totally different person called 007. I think the 007 part is definitely um, a number, a, a code name, but I don't think the name James Bond is. like. I'm pretty right. sure in the newest movie, No Time to Die, I'm pretty sure James Bond has retired, and there is a new 007. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa. Okay. Wow. Whoa, dropping knowledge. I think they bring him back, but uh, I, I think 007 is not necessarily James Bond. It's just his number until he dies or retires. Yeah, I think that you're right about the Bond with. part, right? Because in one of the Daniel Craig ones, you get to see a little bit more about like his family. And James Bond is clearly like his name. That's true. That's true. That's you very see true. his parents' uh, gravestones there. That's true. I'm like, I just finished watch. I just watched that this morning. Wow, this is this got this got deep already. I feel yeah, like I'm participating is... in the trivia. I know. I <laughs> earns twenty five dollars. I think. <laughs> All right, but uh, that was just something I felt like I had to ask for two people who have just seen all of the movies here. So I, I I appreciate your input on this. Great question. Yes, great question. All right. Diving into it, my number five is 2006's Casino Royale. Oh, I have it higher. I have okay. it higher as well. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Hey, that's, a, that's the mark of a good of a good film right there. Um, well, in that case, Brian, I'm going to hand it off to you for your number five. All right. Um, going, uh, based on what I remember again, uh, I'm going to say I had a deeper appreciation for Spectre than, uh, than I think most people did. Spectre is my number five. Oh, wow. Wow. The most recent that has actually come out. Yes. Yes. And any higher on your guys' list? Nope. No. Okay, so I, I know I, it wasn't quite the Bond movie that blew me away, but, um, you know, ha- having at that point just watched all 24, I loved seeing a whole bunch of stuff come together. Um, you know, because uh, Sean Connery's Bond is chasing Spectre and Blofeld. Yes. And this is, I, I, it's mentioned once or twice with Roger Moore, maybe in the beginning, but... From a good point on, 20, 30 years, uh, Spectre is never mentioned again. Yeah. And, or Blofeld. And now with Spectre, the movie here, we are seeing the origin story, I kind of, of it all, like coming together. And uh, even the iconic Blofeld scar and yep. stuff, you know, like uh, I thought that was really cool to see, um, you know, it almost reminds me of the Planet of the Apes movies, if you guys are familiar with those. I'm familiar with, well, wait, which ones? Like the recent, the recent ones? Kind of all of them. 
all of them. I've seen the original, and then I've seen like the three that came out over the past like 10, 15 years. Well, then I, I think I think that's actually enough there. I that that's another series that I watched all of in preparation for I think uh, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy there. But the most recent Planet of the Apes movie ends with a news segment of a spaceship going up into space as the apes uh, are about to enter the desert area. Yes. And yes. the beginning of the original Planet of the Apes movies from the 60s ends with a spaceship landing in a desert area where all the apes are. God, that's crazy. So, like, it's really cool to see all of that tied together. And that's how I felt with this Spectre movie. I'm, I'm seeing it all. Um, you know, this brings it back to the 60s here. And uh, for one other thing, there was an incredible... Uh, James Bond signature uh, shot that he made. You know, he had it had his gun. He was escaping the compound, and he shoots this guy from maybe like two hundred yards away. And I was like, "That's what James Bond does right there." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for this one also, I, I don't love the film, but I mean, Christoph Waltz should be the bad guy in everything. We're huge and glorious fans, and he's absolutely amazing. And Dave Bautista. Has, has a pretty solid role yeah for i mean i think he's actually a better actor now but like for him kind of breaking in at this time what is this 2015 he's he's pretty scary and yeah it's the whole thing with specter for me i brian i totally agree with you that i really like that they did come back to specter to blofeld and like all of these themes that permeated through the Connery films and the and the Roger wait they they were in the Roger Moore films I'm like briefly briefly, briefly. maybe only the first one or two okay there's a, there's a silly scene in one of them where uh Roger Moore is flying a helicopter yes. and uh you know drops I think Blofeld down a giant disp- uh, abandoned chimney stack it's in for it's the opening of for your eyes only Okay. All right. Yes. So that's that's a couple. That's about midway through the Roger Moore career. Then I guess. Yes. And but you're you're absolutely right. And I don't think that maybe he had shown up in the installment or two prior to that. Um, so point is, yeah, you're right. We haven't had that in so long, and it was such a such a quintessential part of the Sean Connery films and like what bond sort of started on was that 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 storyline so yeah i'm with you that it is it is really cool that they finally visit that i for me i was like a little bit underwhelmed overall i thought there were some really cool i thought the actual what they were putting on screen in theory was interesting but then there were parts of the movie that lost me I did think the opening sequence of, of Spectre is awesome um, where they're at like sort of moving through the, that parade or whatever. I forget exactly what I, that it's funny enough. I watched it this morning. I should I should know better. They're all blending together for me. But right. the <laughs> the uh, yeah, Spectre, honestly, very surprising choice. Not one that I was expecting to hear. And I'm glad that you have it on there and you're repping some Daniel Craig Bond right there. Yeah, I think just a little bit of sentimental value there with uh, the Sean Connery ones, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth noting also that, you know, all of the Daniel Craig ones are together. So, 
you understand that like they'll say the the villains of the of uh, Casino Royale are part of Spectre, but they were still fighting in a rights dispute to be able to actually use Spectre as like the name of the organization at that time. Wow. And they didn't get it done until this movie. So it is it is cool that they were actually able to bring it back into the story officially with this film. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. Mike, to you, my friend. Well, my number five is a very sentimental pick as well. And that, even though I hadn't seen it, but now that I've seen it, it is 1995's Goldeneye. I have it higher. Oh, man, robbed. Both of us. Back to Justin. <laughs> I accept it gracefully. Oh, my God. Hey, it just means that we all have somewhat similar tastes so far. And, and can we far. mention great video games as well? Oh, one of the best video games. One of my favorite video games ever. I still my, play off. I, st- I still as well. Oh, my Lord. Um. All right. For my number four, I'm taking us back very far. 1963's From Russia With Love. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. This was one of my honorables. Didn't quite make the list, but nice. So this is, I love this movie. I think for me, Dr. No obviously starts the James Bond saga. And and I and I love Doctor No, um, but from Russia with Love to me really kicks off so many of the things that I love about James Bond. It kicks off sort of the the intro that they tend to have for every film, where something there's some sort of suspenseful chase type thing that happens. In this, it's the man that's going to be sent to take out Bond, Grant, he is sort of doing this um, like a test run, essentially, where you think it's actually Bond, but then a face mask gets taken off at the last second, and it's, it was just some other minion that they were using as someone he could he could practice on killing Bond. But it it started that. There's gadgets. There's really there's cool gadgets. There's sort of it's it's the first film where we're building out the Spectre organization more. Obviously, it does start in Doctor No, but you learn a little bit more. It starts that ongoing plot line. I love the whole time that they spend on the train. Um, I think Romanova, like she does well as a Bond girl on this. And I just think there's great characters throughout the film, good guys, bad guys. I think Connery is, I think he's in top form. It's like the first one blew up bonds, a thing. He is still totally invested in the character. And I just think it's a, it's a tight movie. And personally, my, my favorite Connery film in the series. So, that is, that's my number four. What do you guys think of From Russia with Love? Liked it a lot. Think it was a strong follow to Dr. No. Okay. I love it. And Mike, you had it as an honorable, so you obviously like it quite a bit. 
Yeah, agreed. And and like you said, you know, you you kind of find out that Doctor No is part of this organization, Spectre, and it goes from there. Um, it has good characters, and I also love the like the false ending in this one, which you get in like yep. I don't know, probably half of the films or something like that. Um, and also just makes me think of Austin Powers every time. <laughs> so guys, I need you to know that growing up, I loved Austin Powers. I course when of course who didn't who that grew up sort of in our time era didn't and can anyone say one billion dollars without putting up their pinkies you know it's uh, no no the truth is i cannot i cannot do that and i feel absolutely ashamed that i did not realize how specifically it was parodying the bond movies until these last few weeks when i watched them all same Oh my yeah, god. That's, it gives you such a deeper appreciation for a film that we already love. It's yeah. eye opening, right? Yeah, the whole, you know, do, uh, uh, Dr. Evil being the same thing as Blofeld down to the scar, you know. Uh, I, I the think, cat. Uh, Blofeld had a cat, yep, yep. And, uh, you know, the number, did his number two also have an eye patch? Oh, maybe I can't. Wait, I think at one point one of the one of the numbers does have an eye patch. You know, it just again blew me away. Like you said, finally putting these pieces together. Yes, yes. And is from Russia with Love the first time? Maybe the, I guess the only time where they like push the chair back and dump somebody into like a, a random pit of lava. Maybe mm. I think it's the first time. Spectre, right? I think it is from Russia with Love. I think I'm going to be totally honest after watching 24 of these. I'm a little bit hazy, but same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I will say that I thought Grant as one of the one of the villains was really good. I I really thought that his character was memorable for me when I was thinking back on this long list of sort of Bond villains and bad guys and whatnot. It's a solid pick. Solid pick. Yep. Agreed. Thank you. So that's over to you, Brian, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, my number four is the man with the golden gun. Nice. Okay. Right. Okay. Not on my list, but I'm excited to hear you talk about it. And You know, it was just really cool to see uh, the Scaramanga character, this uh, guy who's toying with uh roger moore uh our bond there and uh again one of the uh i guess first of the not the first memorable henchmen i know uh sean connery had a pair of guys that were after him that i can't quite remember their names uh but that was in diamonds are forever i think but with knickknack scaramanga and knickknack here um Both features, again, I remember being in uh, some of the James Bond video games, the Golden Gun, the one-shot kill. For yep. sure. Um, and I think I remember Knickknack being, you know, a, uh, a smaller character that could maybe do things other characters couldn't because of his size. Um, but I, I definitely remember that it taking place on that exotic island, uh, you know, and this Scaramanga just toying with Bond and... Uh, sending knickknack away on a ship you know i just uh just a lot of memorable moments for me i so 
interesting enough, I actually forgot when we were opening up the episode and we were all talking a little bit about our our history with Bond. Man, Man with the Golden Gun is the other one that I had seen and but prior and rewatching it. First of all, I have to say one of my absolute favorite intros to a Bond film where Scaramanga is doing sort of the the training course in his little island lair to try to yeah. kill Bond. And I, I very memorable opening scene. I never will forget that. And I will say, I think the villains are, are, are very memorable in this one. I was like on my rewatch, Roger Moore was just not doing it for me as Bond, not just in this movie, just like overall as Bond Maybe it was because I think Connery's so good, but the tone that Moore would take, it was almost too too campy for me, if that makes sense. And so my rewatch of this, I wasn't as hot on it, but I, I love about this movie specifically, I love the island and what's within his sort of like lair with sort of the crazy gamer type distractions and almost like a fun house. And it's that to me makes this like one of the most memorable Roger Moore entries for me. So I think it's a good pick. I will say uh, Roger Moore took a while to, I think, grow on me too. And I forgot to mention this earlier in our Bond codename versus same person uh, argument as well. But I, I think this is the only other case where it can be argued at first where it could possibly be a different person just because I think I also remember hearing that when Roger Moore came onto the scene, uh, we I think you can remember him ordering a drink that's not a martini shake and not stirred. I think he orders a scotch. I think you are right. Ooh, it, okay. Yes, there is. You're definitely right where there's a moment where he orders a drink that's not the martini. And... Yeah, which, you know what? I guess that lends a little credence. If anyone wanted to to dive down that theory rabbit hole, lends a little credence to it. Yeah, now, uh, not not enough for me. I I think that's something the studio uh, maybe (laughs) thought they were going to do. Uh, I can't remember if he uh, does eventually order a martini shake and not stirred in his uh, range of films, but I remember him not picking that uh, when he first came onto the scene. So, uh, yeah, something else that stands out to me. The, the two things that stand out to me most about this movie are the fact that having a third nipple is like a key plot device. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and the inexplicably bringing back J.W. Pepper, Clifton James as the crazy like sheriff that just joins him in. Oh, I guess, time my God. Happens to be there. <laughs> Insane I, choices. I forgot. Life. I started laughing so hard when that part happened when he's just there in like where are they like thailand or something like he just like joins up it's outrageous i think i remember the scene you guys are talking about some very surprising recurring characters in the first couple bond movies right yes like sean connery kind of had a girlfriend for a while did he or it, it was a, it was almost a version of Money Penny, a, a girl that he would be with, and then he would get called away to like a mission or something. But oh right, right. yes, Connery, yes, there was a girl that uh, came up in more than one Bond movie that Sean Connery was with, but then had to leave. 
And they sort of like didn't really make like they didn't make any fuss about it. Like they didn't really draw any attention to it. But it was like it is that is the case in, I think, a couple of them. Yeah, a a random recurring character, kind of like this guy here, you know, who uh, you're surprised to see again, but not when you don't see him. You know, it's like, of course, I'm not going to see him again. But uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, interesting uh, bringing him up again. Yeah, wild wild film. And I'll be talking about Guy Hamilton, the director of this film more, because he's he's a wild man. The films that he makes are a little crazy. Okay, okay. I'm like, my yep, dad's going to is... be happy about this 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 choice that you made, whose name is also Brian, by the way. Hey. He, he, he loves Man with the Golden Gun. So shout out shout out to my dad. <laughs> dads and moms. <laughs> dads and moms. We've got dads oh, and moms. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yep, that is my number four. Amazing. All right. Well, my number four is Casino Royale. So I suppose that means, Brian, you still have it higher, right? I still have it higher, yeah. Okay. Wow. Going down the line, we will get there. We will get there eventually. Okay. Number three. My number three is a movie that that really surprised me going into it because I hadn't heard that much about it. It is 1989's License to Kill. Very cool name. Great name. Wow. Okay. Either of you guys have this? No. No. But okay. I'm glad there's some Dalton representation. Yes. Yeah. So when I re- when I got into the Dalton films, just he only did two. He did the the Living Daylights and License to Kill. I didn't know what to expect. It's like I'd seen a Connery film, I'd seen a Roger Moore film, I'd obviously seen the the later Bonds, and then I hadn't seen the one with George Lazenby yet. But I had no idea what to expect with Dalton, and for me at least, he is. I think he's incredible as Bond. He's almost, I think at least in my personal taste and what I envision when I think of Bond, I think he's very close to what I think of when I think of him. He brings a bit of a darker tone to the character. And for me, after the Roger Moore films and sort of almost like a silly tone to those, I really appreciated what Dalton brought to Bond. And then this film specifically, here's where I think it's great. It's a it's a it's a very personal story. You know, it starts with one of Bond's allies who he's very close friends with. He gets terribly uh, hurt by these bad guys, and his wife, who he just got married to, is killed. So this one's personal for Bond. It's a very focused story. It's a little bit less big, if that makes sense. It's it's still a big Bond film, but again, it's like a crime story, very focused. It's for me again. It's a welcome departure from from the Moore era, and I think Living Daylights is good too. Just I I much preferred License to Kill. I just remember the whole movie, watching it front to back excited glued to my screen i thought there was you know the bond girls were great in this i really liked how at the end of the movie um he ends up sort of you know choosing the one that he's been working with and he jumps off the balcony into the pool below and it's it's just a great great scene and i think that um also you have benicio del toro in this 
in probably one of one of his first or definitely one of his earlier roles. He's one of like the main henchmen and he is he is awesome in this. So it's like you see him. There was a couple other actors from around the time smaller that have smaller roles. It's just it's a good movie through and through. And I'm very happy to rep some Dalton on on the list here. Yeah, I thought he pulled off the Bond look again really well being raised with Pierce Brosnan with that uh you know kind of slicked back hair that uh you know kind of darker look I I thought Timothy Dalton looked looked you know like how I imagine James Bond to look I I couldn't agree more especially like you said growing up with Pierce they have somewhat of a similar look compared to all the other people that have played Bond and uh I believe there's another recurring character that comes up with timothy dalton uh felix lighter yes yes felix lighter uh yeah another u.s agent that's come up a couple times uh i definitely remember him daniel craig's bonds um yeah i think he's filled in sporadically with maybe maybe every bond he touches i'm not sure and this is uh, why we have tv trivia pod on the pod right now to give us our trivia that we need Felix Leiter. That is, um, I love that you brought that up because it's true. I think he is in almost every incarnation. Yeah, he's somewhere in there, which, uh, you know, and I and I have to believe this has been the same Felix Leiter. I don't think that's a code name. No. I like to think it's the same. I think it's the same. I think it's the same person. I also like to think it's the same person. We're going yeah. with the same. Podcast yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so License to, Yeah, what do you think of License to Kill Mike? Uh, so I like Living Daylights better. Okay, but this one has a, an epic exploding head scene. Yes, it does. Um, it has pretty solid uh, truck stunts, and one of my favorite Bond songs, the Gladys Knight track, "License to Kill." So underrated. There you go. But you know, I think you could find something to love in any of these films, especially when someone's head explodes. <laughs> Always exciting. <laughs> we were oh. just talking about the boys earlier. There you go. There you go. Talking about head exploding. Oh, my God. Um, well, I think that leaves us. It's over to you, Brian. All right. For number three. Uh, number three is going to have to be uh, Goldfinger as another one of the ones that has stood out to me over the year. Oh, that is my number three as well. Wow. Hey. Well, go then I guess it, I'll, let, I'll let Mike take it away. All right, yeah, I'll do a little intro and then I'll pass it back to you. Um, So this is, yes, this is a Guy Hamilton film. I think he did four in all, uh, Live and Let Die, Diamonds Are Forever, and Man with the Golden Gun that we just talked about. And this is uh, the third one overall, so we're still in the Connery years. And for me, you know, Justin, you were kind of saying from Russia with Love is sort of where it came together for you. For me, it's Goldfinger, and it's because the the camp aspect is just ramped up to 11 you know you've got odd job oh my gosh odd job iconic villains of all time also i didn't realize that he was a silver medalist in the olympics so big shout out (laughs) okay odd job i'll give you guys right off the bat is definitely one of the most iconic villains and and he is of course in goldeneye where he slaps you because he's so short and it's yeah odd job is epic incredible yeah and he's even the secondary villain right i mean goldfinger himself is an equally uh iconic 
a crazy, like just an outrageous villain that does the craziest stuff, especially compared to the earlier films. And even this is also where they take the Bond girl to the next level, earmuffs kids, but pussy galore. I mean, they're just, they're going for it. And she has an entire flying circus and it's it's an outrageous film and, and I love it for that. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, th- this is one of the, this is the earliest Bond film that I say, that I will say I remember the Bond song to. I, I, we had a Bond CD growing up that had a couple of tracks on them, but the whole gold finger, you know, uh, very memorable. And uh, also the line where Bond says, what, you expect me to talk? And Goldfinger saying, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. You know, so cool. Dude. Yeah. And one of Bond's love interests earlier in the film, he just dips in gold. Like that's such an iconic image. Killing her Uh, by covering her in gold. And then, you know, that scene where he says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. He's planning to cut him in half with a laser. You know, uh, just uh, we're definitely turning up the absurd a little from uh, our other movies. And, and Town, I'll, I'll pass it over to you in a second. But this one also is the first one with the, the DB5 in it. And like my favorite scene, one of the sort of Bond tropes is like Bond somehow enters, you know, the, the bad guy's lair. And then the bad guy just kind of spends 10 minutes like revealing his whole plan. And they have like a leisurely chat about it. And in this one, he breaks out of his cell and they're at like, I don't know, he's like ranch. And they just have mint juleps while like some horses are playing in the background. <laughs> and he just tells them all about the plan. It's just, it's, it looks like a fun social event. It's just hilarious. Oh my and God. The last big appreciation for odd job. Uh, as far as the games, you know, if you ran out of uh, ammo for your gun, he always had his hat, uh, which yes, was again, yes. instant kill. And just, just so much fun. Odd job, odd job, odd job and, uh, and jaws, of course. Of course. And yeah, Odd Job is just when you think Bond villains, Bond bad guys, he is very, near the top of the list. So memorable. And yet Goldfinger, I'm I'm so glad you guys have it on there, of course, because it's one of the most iconic Bond films and I think the most important of the of the Connery films. It's yeah, it's me for it's not my favorite, but it's like undeniably an epic entry in the franchise. And I mean, we need to just praise Odd Job all day. He kills it. <laughs> and from what I remember, he's not in the movie a ton. No, he's not. He's not that in it that much. <laughs> but he's just very memorable. Yes. Yeah. I think he ended up being like a professional wrestler, basically based on just like this character image that he had created out of such a small time in one film he's an intimidating guy oh my god and and yeah man i think he was i got let me look it up it might have been wrestling or no it was weightlifting that he was at the uh 1948 summer olympics silver medalist incredible incredible so does that bring us over to you mike number three uh oh wait that was you you had the same number three of course oh my god we're back to me and we're already at number two dear lord so number two, definitely of all the films, this surprised me by far the most. I, I cannot believe how much I enjoy this James Bond film. And that is 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. 
Wow. Uh, this, is, this is also one of my honorables. Okay. Um, nice. So this, of course, is the one Bond film that only has Bond as this actor for one film. And George Lazenby, he takes over the role from Sean Connery after Connery did not want to do do it anymore. And until, of course, he ultimately did return <laughs> for, I think it was Diamonds Are Forever. That was that was the last one that he was in. And in the canon. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> and this movie. Now, let me start by saying George Lazenby by no by no means is one of my favorite bonds. But the plot and the story and the action and everything in this movie to me are just too good to deny. And it takes us all over, but there's, you know, quite a bit of the movie that's in Switzerland. There's this place, Pease, I hope I'm saying it right, but Piz Gloria or Pease Gloria. Um, that, I mean, it's it's beautiful set piece and area, but First of all, I'm a sucker for the snow. I'm a big skier. Any of the Bond films that have skiing scenes, which is surprisingly a ton of Bond films, immediately just go up a notch for me. And this is just the 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 pinnacle of all that. There's just the the bobsled scene with with Blofeld in this. It's it's awesome. And I love that this film to me besides being maybe developed one of the best of them all, I also like that it's very different. So they obviously had found a formula with Sean Connery and they executed that formula for the first five films of the series. With this one, the formula is still there, but it's a little bit different. The end of this movie is dark. If you guys remember the ending of this movie, so Bond gets married at the end to Tracy, who's been the, the the girl that's a part of this throughout the film. And he seems happy. They're heading to their honeymoon, driving away. And they like pull over for a moment. Bond has to do something. Blofeld, it turns out. Uh, so he's still alive. He's like his neck's all like messed up. Pretty much he was him and bond were going down the mountain. He was in a bobsled. It's a whole, it's an epic chase scene, but so he's alive and he ends up killing Tracy, his, his brand new wife in this drive by shooting. And the movie ends with bond, like cradling her lifeless body in his arms. And it just ends. And it's so shocker. It's so different from any other bond ending. They always end like sort of for a good, a happy ending Typically up to this point, it's always like he's with the girl and they're, you know, they're they're sort of together and the movie ends. Everyone's happy. And it's always like a light ending. This was like a really dark ending. And I. I appreciated it. It just felt like such a complete film. I loved the plot line with the girl, how he, you know, Blofeld had like the girls up in the up in this building on top of the ski mountain. They're almost a retreat. Yeah, it's like supposed to be a retreat, but he's really like brainwashing them. And it's just it's such an interesting story. I love this one. I just I can't say enough good things. And I I was wondering if I was crazy after. And then luckily, after I watched every single one, I sort of went online and sort of saw what people 
were you know what they like after i had made my own list and i was very happy to see that this is not some crazy opinion that actually a ton of people think this is a super underrated film in the franchise but um yeah i love this one i love it i remember liking the plot a lot i i can't remember a ton about it but i remember being impressed by that and thinking that oh this is like an actual legit ingenious way to uh carry out your diabolical plan and yes. i remember appreciating that a lot for a bond movie um you know and i i guess it's good to say here i i thought roger moore was the one that married the tracy girl i forgot it was george lazenby yeah that married her and roger moore definitely brings flowers to her grave he does you are 100 percent right and you know i i think this also lends itself to a little more credence to I, I, I feel like I'm trailing away from talking about Honor Majesty's Secret Service, but there is definitely a different actor here that played Blofeld than our Sean Connery ones. Yes. Well, yes. Blofeld in almost every film, there's a couple I think where maybe it carries on, but the actor changes so many times. Like in You, in you Only Live Twice, which is the first time that we see Blofeld, it's Donald Pleasance, who, of course, later would be in the Halloween films. But then in this in this film, the next film, it's a completely different actor. And then again, in Diamonds Are Forever, I believe it's a completely different actor, if I'm not mistaken. So it just keeps Blofeld keeps changing, which is interesting. But, right. But, but, but again, I'm OK with saying it's the same person. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, same, same. What I like about this one and what I like about Lazenby's performance overall is he's very much like a regular guy. Like he he gives he doesn't give off that like suave like Pierce Brosnan thing. He's like he comes in in his like kilt, you know, his disguise is that he's from like a like some coat of arms place, right? Like that's what the whole like investigation is about that he's trying to like the the bad guy, I guess Blofeld is trying to prove that he's part of some like historical family and then he like comes in there and uh even like with the uh like with where he like seduces the women he's not like super suave like he repeats the exact same lines twice and they're like kind of clunky but like it sort of works anyway he has like almost an underdog quality that makes you root for him in a a totally different way than some of the other that is a good that that's a good point yeah, I I love this one though. It's, it's yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I'm glad you brought it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, not not one of the most memorable, I think, Bonds, but a, a, a good movie. That is a great way to put it. It's a great way to put it. And uh, well, speaking of ski scenes, as far as my number two, the spy who loved me. Okay, uh, and I and I another iconic ski scene, of course. Uh, tell you what, that the first five minutes of that movie, uh, I was almost rolling on the floor laughing with what I was watching. <laughs> uh, I, I had, I don't know if this was the first time the green screen had been just utilized this excessively, but there was yeah. a lot of skiing green screen that was just so obvious. I think this is one of the more campier, uh, movies there and then you know he does this thing where he skis backwards shoots somebody with his ski and then does this epic backflip and <laughs> that that will be a beginning opening sequence that uh, i will always remember and will always 
love this movie for. And then again, uh, continue with campiness. I think there was an underwater lair in this movie or some, some portion of it. I believe you're place. right. Yeah. It's just like a hideout thing. That's called Atlantis. And it can like come up and down. It's, it's wild. <laughs> I think this, this movie was just uh, a lot of fun for me and uh, just, just uh, a joy to watch. And of course it introduces another very memorable villain, Jaws. Oh, is this the first one with the Jaws? It is. Spy Who Loved Me. And then comes Moonraker because I was also surprised to see him in that. Yes. Yes. Our back-to-back villain. <laughs> His storyline in Moonraker just absolutely tickles it me. Is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, but, but uh, not I, – I can't remember uh, the plot a ton. I just remember – watching this and uh just having a smile on my face the whole time and uh it just being a really fun bond movie and and what more can you ask for honestly (laughs) what more can you ask for the no this was for me again i know i'm not that i've said i'm not that hot on the roger moore films but i'd say if i was forced to rank his films i think this one is probably my maybe my second favorite so I think there's a great pick, great pick. And that that opening scene might be the single best opening scene of the whole series. It's definitely it's definitely in contention for that spot. Oh, man. Speaking of opening scenes, do one of you guys have I, I think we talked about this briefly. I remember the opening sequence of Goldeneye. Oh, uh, is that coming up for one of you guys? That's coming up for me. Yeah. All right. Then I won't okay. talk about it. We we will definitely be touching upon it, though, very shortly. Because I, I don't know if it... Okay, okay. No, no, no. Uh, I am thinking of two very similar scenes, but I believe at the end of this ski scene, he does jump off a cliff, for, and you watch him for a solid 10 seconds before he pulls his parachute, and it's the, you know, British flag, mm-hmm. and cue the music. Yes. But uh, and, again, just a really cool way to end that opening scene. And actually, uh, so yeah, we can talk about it, but the director for GoldenEye basically said that that was like one of the best like Bond scenes and something he was sort of aspiring to with the opening of GoldenEye. Oh, that's amazing. You can definitely tell. Well, great number two. And <laughs> All right. it's time for you, my friend. So... so- I agree with you, by the way, that I don't like Roger Moore very much. But my number two is his first film, Live and Let Die. Very memorable theme song there. Incredible opening theme. The whole the title sequence and everything is is amazing with the skulls like sort of on fire. I cannot believe Uh, this is in your top five. This this might be you don't like my this is in my bottom three. Okay. Well, this is all right. So I'm glad that you think that because I will say right now that Live and Let Die is not better than my number three Goldfinger. And it's probably not better than my number four Casino Royale. But when I started watching this and realized that there was a James Bond black exploitation film, I lost my mind. I had no idea that they did this. It's absurd. And they throw like a whole exploitation thing in there with with uh, Clifton James that we already talked about as he gets carried over into other films. 
and there's the whole like voodoo thing going on. I knew you, is, I knew you were going to love this. And there's cars crashing into planes and boats <laughs> crashing into cars. There's the the absolutely insane crocodile stunt that uh, you can find videos of the guy. I think he actually owned like the ranch that they were filming at, but he he had to do that stunt like five times and the crocodiles start to learn what he's going to do and they get closer and closer to biting him each time. It's it's just an insane stunt. One of the most insane, uh, let's say in like a mainstream film that anyone ever had to do that they literally did that with real Crocs. Whoa. Uh, this, this movie is just completely wild, completely off the wall. I had no idea that it exists and it's, I will not say to you that this is a great film, but it's the type of bonkers cinema that I really enjoy. And also like one of the very earliest roles for Jane Seymour. So that's, that's cool. That's a good point. I forgot about Jane Seymour being in there, but no, I knew you were going to love this movie and it just, it was so not my cup of tea and it's obviously such a different type of James Bond film, but um, Hey, I will, I will agree with both of you that the theme song is epic. I can say that. Is this the one that begins with the New Orleans funeral? Yes. That was, mm-hmm. I like that scene. I like that scene a lot. I thought that was very suave of those uh, those villains there to identify the secret agent who was, you know, trying to remain uh, inconspicuous. And then, you know, they kill him and then pick him up in that empty coffin that they were carrying around. I thought that was a really cool opening scene. Yeah, and I think I'm trying oh, to remember, yeah. right? Because it's three people, three people get killed. So one of them gets bit by a snake in like a crazy voodoo ceremony. One of them is there in the parade and they pick him up. Trying to remember the third one, but I I do also remember the villain in that movie dying just the most uh, again just out of this world crazy way with uh, I think Bond puts some inflator thing in him. The guy blows up like a balloon and then pops on the ceiling. Yeah, it's some kind of like gas charge thing, and he like gets injected with it. <laughs> just yeah, just uh, just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, it's this is I can't believe this is on your top five (laughs) movies that I would go watch again right now. It's number one. I could tell you. Oh, my God. All right. Well, hey, somebody had to wrap it, I guess. That brings us to number ones. We are number ones. So if you've been following along, you already (laughs) know my number one. It is 1995's GoldenEye. GoldenEye was the first James Bond film I ever saw. So, of course, there's the nostalgia factor. But it is just, to me, at least, the most iconic Bond film. It's the video game. For anyone that grew up in the 90s, the video game was one of the most popular games on Nintendo 64. It is so beloved that to this day on like top video games of all time lists, it's typically in top 10, 20 of all time usually. And what's incredible is that when you go back and rewatch the film, if you, you know, at the time, if you saw the film, you obviously saw it before the game, but going back, it's unbelievable how many things are very similar. Like it really does 
it is a pretty true uh, adaptation of the movie. But the movie, it's it's just so good. It has so it's a first Pierce Brosnan film. I love Pierce Brosnan as Bond. I think that the opening scene, of course, that Brian brought up, it's amazing. It starts with, of course, Pierce jumping off of the dam. And that that was actually done. That was that bungee jump was actually done. One take. One take. Still considered to this day one of the like most impressive stunts captured on film. And then of course you have the entire intro scene where they go into like the facility and you know he's with Alec Trevelyan, played by Sean Bean, who of course later most of you will know is Ned Stark from Game of Thrones. And they're running through the facility, taking out people. Bond is setting some explosives, and we believe that Alec is killed. And Bond then has an absolutely ridiculous escape where he ends up getting into a small airplane, going down a runway. Well, he doesn't get in the airplane. He's driving a motorcycle down the runway, goes off of a cliff, dives down to the airplane, gets in, and then... And the airplane at this point is also falling off. They're both falling. Yes. The airplane goes off the uh, the side of this mountain here, and he jumps down after it. Jumps down after it. It's plummeting down to just certain certain death. He gets in. He's pulling, you know, trying to pull it up, trying to pull it up when he gets into the, into the you know, the the flyer seat in the cockpit and he of course just in the nick of time gets the plane to fly on up over a ridge he's good and it's 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 an exhilarating first 10 minutes of the film it has to be one of the first bond movies that i can remember with that twist aspect in it with alec yes yeah. where Alec turns out, of course, later in the film to be alive and he's behind everything. And just some very memorable characters. Boris, I am invincible. Yeah. You know, you've got Xenia, you've got Natalia. Um, very memorable for me, at least, just different moments in the film, different locations they visit. I think the cradle at the end is such a cool, like, final battle scene we'll say and of course the the famous for england james no for me and then when he drops him off the cradle i just it's too good i just of course for me the nostalgia plays a plays a role in this but i rewatched it this week couple scenes of course maybe don't age as well but overall i still had so much fun with this and for someone who loved pierce Pierce Brosnan to me like was Bond when I was growing up and watching back. He actually, I wouldn't say is like my favorite Bond after doing a rewatch, but I still think he is an absolute peak form in this. And I don't necessarily say that by the way, because I think Pierce did a bad job in any of the roles. I just think a couple of the other movies are a little bit weaker, but he just kills it in this Martin Campbell directs who does a great job and of course the only time he came back to direct 
<clears throat> another Bond film, which I know we'll be talking about shortly, is Casino Royale. So both really strong entries in the franchise. And yeah, again, GoldenEye, the video game, everything. It's just, it's too good for me. It has to be number one. Yeah, I was losing my mind watching this. Like I've never seen it and I've played the game thousands of times. And then like even just the opening scene that you talked about, like you're like, oh my God, this is the end of the first level. Mm -hmm. This is the end of the second level. Then there's the (laughs) This is the end of the third level. And you kind of know like where the plot's going in a bizarre way because I just know like, oh, it's going to end at the cradle. And I was just, I was losing my mind. Oh my God. Uh, And what also, we should talk about Joe Don Baker in this because. Oh my God, yes. So one is, he's an awesome actor. I love him in a bunch of stuff, but he is the CIA guy in this, which does, his name is not lighter, but it does lead credence to the fact that maybe the CIA person is different every time. I don't know. We'll have to follow that thread. But um, he also is in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies as the same character, Mm -hmm. but then he's in Living Daylights as a totally different character. He's the, the bad guy of that film. Yes. Are you for real? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, he's the actual. Bat- he's a totally different character. It's it's a, wow. What a what a role. I completely forgot about Baker. that. But Joe Don Baker in Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. I love his parts in it, and and he calls James Jimmy. Yeah, uh, Jimmy he does. That's right. It's it's just Legend. too good. He's such a funny like little comedic character, but. You just got to love him in there. Had to shout. Had, I'm so glad that you brought him up and that I didn't. And for people that don't know, Joe Don Baker is like the star of the original Walking Tall, the not rock version. And he's epic in that oh. as well. Man, good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I before I get into my number one here, again, I GoldenEye was one of those games that uh, I think friends had. So we only ever played multiplayer. I never got to go through the story mode there. I think the game I was raised with was Nightfire. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Uh, which, I again, I just loved. Wait, Nightfire is GameCube, right? Well, I think we had it for the PlayStation 2. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So it would have been, yeah, same time. Yes, I definitely remember that one. So, and also the multiplayer on GoldenEye was incredible, though. So you, you, I mean, that's what I still play today sometimes is yeah, the is the multiplayer. Sure. Just so much fun. And of course, you can be odd job. You can you like you had said earlier, Brian, you can get the golden gun and all the different cheats like paintball mode, DK mode or whatever, like big head. Yell. Yes, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> so fun. So fun. Incredible. Well, uh, to bring it back with my number one, which I'm surprised was directed by the same guy, but I can totally see it. My number one is. Uh, Casino Royale, which Amazing. I think uh, both Goldeneye and this movie take a much more, I guess, realistic approach to Bond. I, I don't remember the crazy gadgets in Goldeneye, but I remember in The World Is Not Enough, uh, an ice fortress with fight, face-changing technology and a laser yes. that like, <laughs> generated the power of the sun. Yeah, you're you're right. In Casino Royale, they specifically wanted to take a more realistic approach because things got weird in the Pierce series. Yeah, and an invisible car. Yeah, which absolutely. Which again, I don't think he had quite all those things in Goldeneye. No, no, definitely. And the one thing, last thing I'll say about Goldeneye is because you just reminded me. One thing I do love about it is that Q. There is an awesome 
gadget scene, like in sort of his, you know, laboratory where he's making stuff. One of my most memorable cue scenes throughout the series. And is this the last one with Desmond Lewell? So I think it's world. Is it world? Is I think it's world is not enough is his final one. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I know John Cleese was at least twice. I think. Oh, he so him and Desmond are both in, I believe, World is Not Enough. And then Cleese takes it over for Die Another Day. That's yeah, that's exactly what happens. I just confirmed online. Yeah. So last appearance for Desmond was was World is Not Enough. He and he is, of course, the longest running actor in James the James Bond character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. But I'm sorry. Take it back to Casino Royale. Uh, first, really appreciate the, uh, I guess, they, they're they totally retoning the films here. These are no longer campy. These are more dark and realistic. Uh, we owe the Dark Knight trilogy to Casino Royale. Christopher Nolan saw this and wanted to make a Batman movie that was more realistic, like this James Bond movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, this movie was the inspiration uh for the Dark Knight trilogy. That's unbelievable. I did not know that. Yep. Yep. Uh, I will say when rewatching these last year, uh, I think I totally missed the fact that Casino Royale was a reboot. These are, we are now no longer following, uh, I guess the same character here chronologically, like I think we're agreeing on here, but this in Casino Royale, he gets, he earns his double O status. Yes. Um, Really cool to see. Um, it, it wasn't a long intro there, but uh, we see, uh, I guess, him get that. He, he's now a double O. And uh, so really cool there. Um, liked that there was a lot going on. And I just love Mads Mikkelsen as a villain. Yeah, absolutely. He is great. He's such a great actor, too. Oh, man. I just uh, I just finished watching Hannibal, the TV series, and... Oh, right. it was excellent. I've been meaning to watch that. That's it's got to be one of my next, especially after you saying that. But he yeah, he is so good. He is such a good actor. I will. I'll watch pretty much anything with him in it. And I think this is the movie that kind of explains why James Bond doesn't have kids running around everywhere. What did, what did they say again? What did they say? Uh, I. They they don't say anything. It's just when uh, Mads Mikkelsen character is torturing Bond oh and my Bond God. keeps saying like a little to the right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. Yeah, and then they kind of after that, right? There's a sort of a romantic interlude with him and Vesper where they talk a lot about like you know whatever I still am, yep. like I'm yours, sort of thing. Brutal yeah. scene. Brutal. Yeah. Oh, that car flip too. So oh, intense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was uh, an incredible reboot of the James Bond franchise. Um, was skeptical with Daniel Craig at first. Again, he was not what I imagined Bond looking like. But uh, I, I have grown to, to love him. And I uh, just thought this was uh, an excellent movie. The beginning of what we can find out more is a Spectre with, I think, Mr. Silva in this movie. And then Mr. Green in Quantum of Solace and this color scheme. Mm-hmm. going on uh which again i didn't put together until i had watched them back to back uh really cool start of a, a new franchise 
And I think the one thing that we didn't say yet that we should mention for this is I really appreciated that like we should we should be open and honest that like a lot of the Bond films, there's some there's some lines that he says to like the Bond girls that are cringy at best. Not okay. I mean, they're 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 not good. Yeah. Right? And in this one, the banter that Bond has with Vesper is like it's it's totally realistic. They're both like jabbing at each other. It's funny, and then like even with uh, Solange, I think is her character name, like the girl earlier in the film. Like it, it's a totally like realistic relationship. He's funny. He's like picking her up, and that part felt felt really good to get back to that place. Absolutely, Agreed. and there's there's a realism to these films that we haven't seen before with James Bond. And I think Casino Royale, I believe it's the one movie that was on all three of our lists, right? Yes. yes. I guess so. Yeah. I had it at five. Mike, you had it at four, right? Uh, and, yep. then, and then, of course, Brian at number one. And it, I think that goes to show just how important a film this is in the franchise. Like, it's so cool getting that different approach to the character where this is his origin story to a degree. And, of course, the ending of the film with finally... You know, the name's Bond, James Bond. And then epic. it's epic. It is. Oh, yes. It's so good. One bit of trivia that I read on Wikipedia, actually, just for this was apparently Quentin Tarantino wanted to do an adaptation of Casino Royale. Interesting. And but only wanted to do it with Pierce. Ah. And that's that's the movie that's that's on my what if movies I really wish were made. I mean, that would I would kill to see what he could do with that. And with Pierce, I love Pierce. But damn, did Pierce just not want to do it anymore? Or they just didn't want to have Tarantino do it because it would obviously be very what was different. What's the gap there? I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, we have what? Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, World's Not Die Another Day. Die Another Day came out in what, 99? Die Another Day. No, Die Another Day was 2002. Oh, was it? It was Goldeneye 95, Tomorrow Never Dies 97, World Is Not Enough 99, and then Die Another Day 2002. Pierce, so Pierce, I think he was only on a four, four film contract. Okay. And then I think the other thing is that it's like they wanted to reboot the entire series, right? Yep. So it would be a little bit, they couldn't, even though they do change actors, they couldn't exactly go to the very beginning again with Pierce. No. And really interesting fact about Pierce. I'm not sure maybe one of you guys or both also caught this. He was actually supposed to be Bond. Oh, instead of Dalton. Instead of Dalton. And he was offered the part. He accepted the part, but he was on a, an NBC show, I believe at the time, and when they saw how much people all of a sudden became interested in Pierce Brosnan after he was announced as the new Bond, they went back and found something in the contract for the show and essentially forced him to stay on the show, which in turn ruined him being Bond at the time because... Uh, one of the producers did not want to be associated with like some, I forget what exactly what the show is about, but he did not want to be associated as Bond is the guy from that show. And so it sort of screwed everything up. Dalton got the part instead. 
and then when Dalton was done, they they went back to Pierce at that point. But it was it was a bummer for Pierce because the show only lasted like something like five more episodes, and that oh, this is uh, Remington Steel. Remington Steel, yes, got robbed, robbed, and it's Man. yeah, shitty, but not the best move by NBC. But uh, interesting tidbit about Pierce and his his uh, ties to Bond even before. Goldeneye. Yeah, I guess as far as crossing over and stuff goes, I, I know this was a reboot, and uh, I think another thing that plagued the director with this movie was the casting of M, who is the same from the Pierce Brosnan movies, but I think you know, they said she just did such an excellent job, they just had to keep her even though this was a reboot, and you know, we're changing changing things up, we're changing Bond, we're changing Q, uh, had to keep M. I'm glad they did because Judy Dench is great. I do like her as M. Yeah, and I think that supports the "it can be whatever you want" argument. I mean, <laughs> Felix Leiter is also in this one. You know, it could be anything. I know, Brian. Yeah. You started you started something that has trickled throughout the episode, and I love it. <laughs> Listen, it's uh, it's the it's a big internet argument. I think, uh, yeah. but I also don't think that these people have seen these movies back to back. It's different. <laughs> It's different if you watched them when they each came out over the period of 40 years. <laughs> but uh, but having but we have a lot of things to go on right now. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, I think the last thing I did want to say with Casino Royale is that uh, I think we talked about the realism here of it a little more. And the fact that Bond isn't so uh, suave, sexy, and smooth as he is and gets away with all the stuff he does in the other movies. You know, there's that famous parkour scene where, you know, he can't do all these acrobatics, but instead just burst through a wall. One of my favorite scenes in Bond history, that whole parkour scene. That's, that's a great point. Cause really in most of the Bond films leading up to this, he's, he's effectively Superman, right? He can do anything. And sometimes that's fun, but here, you get to see so much of him as a as kind of a regular person, so to speak, and it's uh, it makes for like you said in that scene, it makes for a much more interesting scene. That it makes no sense that he'd be able to do parkour with like the guy, the actual actor is like one of the best parkour people in the entire world, right? He would do something else that's equally smart, but he just can't do that, right? Yep, that and the fact that he uh, loses the casino match. Uh, I I think I'm messing up how I'm wording that right now, but. You know, they're gambling, and uh, he thinks he knows Mads Mikkelsen's tell, and he yeah. loses. He loses everything and yeah. has to be, like, begged to be put back in. And, you know, this is a Bond that doesn't necessarily win every single fight he's in. I, You couldn't have said it better. It's that really makes – it was really refreshing, and I think the Bond series needed that at the point that it came with Casino Royale. Yeah. And yeah, one more scene I did want to mention that just carries on what you have been getting at is the scene where he's poisoned and he stumbles out to his car. He's trying to apply the little pads to his chest to sort of revive himself. And he ends up, you know, passing out before. I mean, of course, he ends up getting saved, but by Vesper, but like it just again, I feel like we wouldn't have seen that play out that way. Like any of the other bonds, it's like they would have got it on. They would have clicked the button. They'd be okay. Let's move on to the next thing. It's just. Yeah. And 
down. I was literally going to mention the exact same scene because it shows his humanity. But again, also, instead of, you know, the quote-unquote Bond girl being used as a prop, she saves his life. Yes. I mean, they're, they're working together at this thing. 100%. Yeah. Such an, yep. such an important film in the franchise and such a great number one choice. Yep. Glad it was on all of our uh, lists there. Me too. Um, so that leads me to number one for me. And it's not going to take me very far. It's to Skyfall. Wow. The third Daniel Craig movie. Yep. Uh, cool movie. And this is, uh, well, a lot of it, I would say the same thing that we just said. It picks up a very realistic contingent after kind of a different film in, in Quantum of Solace that comes between. But firstly, you know, you've got Judy Dench back. Obviously, you've got Daniel Craig. But then we've got Javier Bardem as the villain. Very cool. Absolutely incredible villain, incredible actor. Mm-hmm. We bring in Ralph Fiennes, who I love so much. Um. We bring in Albert Finney at the very end of the movie and Ben Wishaw, who's a great, great young actor as Q. And I think what I love about this movie is that it advances the series in a sort of technological way, um, which makes a lot of sense, but it also strips a lot of the things, you know, it's outside of earlier in the film. It's basically all London based. It's very personal to both M uh, and Bond um and and it just is a total it's it's basically a total almost a different franchise in a sense right he, he's a to, like a different guy it's all about his childhood um even the villain has a very personal thing it's not like the illuminati or nukes or diamonds or anything like that it's just part of a small story um and it adds a lot of background to the character that frankly i didn't expect that we uh, would ever get right and the the sort of cherry on top for me was like i was like oh wow this is really good this is really good and then the last you know the third act basically is a home invasion horror set piece where they just hold up in like the moors and they just have to defend this house um and it's it's totally awesome and and something very different and also i know town you'll appreciate this but Roger Deakins, you know, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's the man, mm-hmm. the man. It's a beautiful movie, especially, you know, as the, as the sun goes down when they're at Skyfall and it's all just kind of lit by fire and candles and stuff just shot beautifully. Is he the, uh, the gamekeeper? Oh, uh, he's the cinematographer. Oh, okay. The, the gamekeeper guy is Albert Finney though. Who's also amazing. Yeah. What's Albert Finney in? Uh, he's in the, um, in the Murder movies? on the Orient Express. He shows up in the later uh, Bourne films. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's great in Skyfall. And I heard uh, that they thought it would it would have been a fun cameo to make that character Sean Connery. They were wow. really batting around that idea, but thought that would have been too confusing for fans. Oh my god. It's probably god. fair. That would have that would have both been true. It would have both been great and confusing. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It would have the theories would be I mean, we'd be having a whole nother discussion right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But uh but as far as another really cool callback, uh he does drive the Aston Martin in this movie, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. It's the it's the old DB five and he just drives it out there, which is so cool. Yep, cue the bond. And that music has a lot to we... do with it also, right? It's a technology sort of versus tradition, like a 
a common theme that they're using to piece the whole story together instead of it kind of, you know, some of these Bond movies, the story gets a little bit crazy, a little bit convoluted. And this one is is pretty simple. And a, a pretty dramatic death at the end there. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. It's something, again, another first for one of the Bond films. For Have Ralph Fiennes come into that role. I'm pretty happy with that as well. Love that. I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about that. Yep, it works. But very sad, of course, to see... I mean, we're many years past the film, but spoiler alert, to see M die. And it's this is such an it's such a personal film, Skyfall. It's yeah. It's really again, the Craig the Craig Bond films have been a welcome surprise, I think, for most people that are fans of James Bond. They're 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 great and they do different things. Casino with the whole origin story skyfall where it just gets really personal you learn things about bond like mike said you know m is so heavily involved in this story and then she dies and passed on to to ray fines but it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the most critically acclaimed ones and and yeah that was one of my honorable mentions as well it's 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 a great film great film yeah, the the M we grew up with, you know, as uh, as far as Pierce Brosnan's M goes as well. Yes, so very emotional for anyone like us three who who grew up with with those Bond films to start us off. And it's cool that she gets a real storyline in this film, right? I mean, she's she does get a little bit more involvement, I think, largely because they have Judy Dench. So why the heck not in the other films? But this one is is almost as much about her as it is uh, about Bond, which is cool. Absolutely. A fitting send-off. Truly. And a great a great number ones across the board, boys. Like, Should we do a quick little recap of our list? Yes, yes. So my list from five to one is five, Casino Royale, four, From Russia With Love, three, License to Kill, two, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and one, GoldenEye. Uh, my top five, starting with number five, were Spectre, The Man with the Golden Gun, Goldfinger, The Spy Who Loved Me, and number one with Casino Royale. Mine is Goldeneye, Casino Royale, Goldfinger, Live and Let Die, and Skyfall. Awesome. And before, there's a couple other little things that I wanted to bring up, but before we do, are there any big honorable mentions that anyone wants to throw out there? I had Skyfall also on my uh, honorable mention list and, uh, you know, just bringing it back to those uh, sentimentality stuff. Tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough. Uh, just some of the ridiculousness, ridiculousness of it. The uh, the torpedo with the drill at the end of it going into the bad guy at the end of I think Tomorrow Never Dies. And, uh, you know, Halle Berry, how can you forget? Uh, fun Fun movies growing up, getting to know Bond. Yep. Yeah, World Is Not Enough for me was on my honorables. I, I always thought that was another really strong entry. And like the opening scene with sort of the crazy Q uh, decked out boat that almost sort of looks like a Batmobile, which is just ridiculous. I love that scene. Is is the World Is Not Enough, is that the one where Bond gets tortured at the beginning? That's Die Another Day. Gotcha. 
and then oh, that's, okay. so the that's, one the Halle Berry. With, that's the Halle Berry one with with all the crazy ice things and and the lasers. Yeah, World is Not Enough is um it's Denise Richards and I thought that the one where he gets tortured is the one with Denise Richards. Oh wait. Yeah, yeah, cuz he gets right. captured right. in Korea, gets nose You're right. Okay. And then yeah. uh, that World guy gets the face Yes. World is not enough is Denise Richards and Pipelines. That's Yes. And Robert Carlyle is like the bad guy who's who's really good in it, I think. Um but yeah, yeah, exactly. Pipelines. World is not enough is fun. And then the the Electra who ends up being like a villain at the end by so- Sophie Marceau. Um she's great too. I th- I think World is not enough is great. I have a lot of fond memories of World is not enough. Dude, also, I just while we're talking about these films, I had no idea that Rosamund Pike was in Die Another Day. Me either. That just came out of nowhere. It's like you're you're like, oh my god! Like she was a, she was acting back then. I I think of her more recently. I think of her in like the past ten years. Right, and still, gone still a yeah, villain. Gone Girl. Um, yes, 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 still a villain. Mike, you have any honorables? Uh, the only one I have that we haven't exactly mentioned is is Doctor No. I have that on mine as well. It's the first one. It's you know it does the it's a, it's pretty solid. It's it doesn't necessarily follow every convention, but it um it does kick off the Bond villain with the uh, uh you know there where there's just something a little bit odd. Uh, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> uh not not disfigurement but there's there's something you know odd job has the weird hat jaws has the teeth knickknack is small this guy has a hook for a hand yes yes yeah there's and he has a mechanical dragon which is bizarre that is that is indeed bizarre and and uh what i also like i didn't exactly realize i had seen dr no before but not recently but they i mean the song is right there in Dr. No. It's changed slightly over the years, but like very first try right out of the gate, they nailed it. Yep. That was also something that I noticed on this watch through and was very impressed by. Yeah, I think I only have two that I that I want to give a quick shout to besides the ones that, that have already been mentioned. I really love For Your Eyes Only, the Roger Moore. That's actually the one Roger Moore that I really like. Um, I think it's a little bit grittier than the rest of his films a little less campy. So I feel it's a li- feels a little bit closer to the original Sean Connery type vibe for me. There is also a few great skiing scenes, which I have told you, you guys I'm a sucker <laughs> for. <laughs> he skis on a bobsled track. So I loved it. And, and then there's also that awesome, like climbing sort of scene at the end. But I, yeah, I really like for your eyes only. And I also like, and I know this is a little bit, less appreciated Connery uh, flick, but I, I really liked You Only Live Twice. Um, I'm a big fan of Japan and Japanese culture. I, I spent a month in Japan uh, about five years ago. And so I sort of love that that the majority of the film takes place there. And I like the, is he the other agent or, you know, the, the, the Japanese uh guy that's sort of his like like bond sidekick in this and yeah also of course it's the first film where you where you actually see blofeld and so it's sort of a big one in the realm of the story of specter but yeah i i I 
feel like that one deserves a little bit of a shout. Oh yeah, nice. Bond gets married in that one too, doesn't he? Does he? Or he is it? Might. It's kind of a fake wedding, uh, just to kind of blend in, I guess. But I think he. You are right. Oh, you are right. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. He goes through like the montage of like sort of becoming more Japanese by mm-hmm. learning how to be a ninja and stuff. And then uh, someone tries to like poison him with uh, some string and uh, dripping it down from the ceiling. And and the and oh, yeah, and, the, he, and the gal dies instead, unfortunately. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Would they have a great uh, a great copy of that in Gross Point Blank? That movie with uh, John Cusack. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, I gotta check that out. Uh, I have to ask while you guys were watching these movies. This is uh, I have not seen uh, Never Say Never Again. We watched it. And is it a shot for shot remake of uh, Thunderball? N- no, it's it's a little bit different actually. It is quite okay. different, and I will say, I it wasn't bad, but it also was nothing that got me excited. If that makes no, sense. but it, it's it's interesting um, to note because like stylistically, so it's made in like the early '80s, right? And you know, the first movie is '62, so by the time it came out, it's like competing with. You know, movies like Rambo and stuff. And so it's a, another, it's a lot more violent. And I believe another Bond movie came out the same year. Yes. It, that's that's right. It yeah. was Octopussy came out the same year. And it's it's a very different tone. Even both those films are very different tones. Um, and Connery's like, the theme is basically that he's old, but he's still sort of doing it. So it's, I think it's worth a watch, but definitely not. I wouldn't be like, oh, you absolutely have to. I, I would say the exact same. I think... Since you've gone so deep down the rabbit hole, Brian, I think you, you've <laughs> got to do it at some point. You're right, but yeah, it, it's all right. I and for anyone listening that is unaware why we're sort of singling this one out, um, the 24 films that most people consider the James Bond films are all produced by they're all Eon Films. That's the company, and this Never Say Never Again is not an Eon film and Sean Connery though did obviously years after not you know he stopped in 1971 with Diamonds Are Forever this is 1983 so he decided 12 years later to reprise the role um and it's it's uh going off the Thunderball book by Ian Fleming and so it's uh yeah, it's surprisingly a little bit different than Thunderball itself, but uh yeah, it's fun to see Sean Connery in there again. And it's 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 worth a watch. It's worth a watch. Yeah, I remember it. Uh I know I didn't watch it because it's it's not considered yeah. uh canon and that again it was kind of a, a remake of Thunderball because I think the director also really wanted to work with Sean Connery again on another Bond movie, but uh again couldn't get the rights to anything in the franchise because you know that was being worked on right now with roger moore at this point for several years so they basically had to remake one that they already did mm-hmm. and what's really funny is the reason it's called never say never again uh, yeah is the fact that sean connery had said he would never play bond again and at this point and I'm not sure, maybe he said that after You Only Live Twice as well. I don't know if he did, but he definitely said it after Diamonds Are Forever. And so it's a it's a funny nod of like, 
never say never again because at this point you don't know if Connery is going to just come back and play him. So it's very funny, and they incorporate, as you'll see when when you end up watching it, Bri, they incorporate it into the film at one point, which is very, very little clever, funny nod. I believe I was told that was a line his wife said when he was talking to her about taking on the role again, and she said, well, right. never say never again, and... That yet is exactly what happens. Yep. And oh. I did, I did want to say, I think you just gave a shout out to For Your Eyes Only. And I remember that one specifically. I, I, okay. I don't remember the movie specifically, but I remember being thrown for a loop after, uh, I believe it was uh, The Spy Who Loved Me because the end credits say, uh, you know, For Your Eyes Only coming soon. Uh, like, see Bond in the next movie for your eyes only, but there had been some really popular space movies at the time. So Moonraker came out next and then for your eyes only. That's so interesting, especially because of course, Jaws is in Moonraker and it seems like, of course this was the plan, you know, like that's crazy. That's some, that's some great trivia right there. Yeah. But, uh, well, I have I have another question before we before we wrap this thing up. I know I have my personal rankings of the actors who've played Bond, and if you guys don't have a full on ranking, don't sweat it. But at least, who is your favorite Bond? Uh, I I think Daniel Craig at this point my is man is my favorite Bond. I I love what he's done with the role. Wow! Wow! Both Daniel Craig. That's high five, Mike. And Literally, I think, I think Connery is second so, for me, but I, I think there's a bit, definitely a gap there. That is, I mean, I'm that I, I'm blown away right now, and I do think that Craig is awesome. I think like acting wise, he's definitely the most impressive, but he's he's not my favorite. I think. So for me, after I always thought Pierce was my favorite, but after the rewatch, I I gotta give it to Connery in the sense of he just exudes. I feel like everything that James Bond is about, and obviously he sets the tone for the character. So I'm gonna give it to him at number one. But I actually, I'll just rank mine out real quickly because I I gave this some thought for a moment. But my number two is Timothy Dalton. I think he's really impressive, and I wish he had more films. Pierce would be my number three. Bit of nostalgia wrapped up there, but again, I think he's very in line with sort of what I have in my head as James Bond through and through. Then I have Daniel Craig. Then I have Lazenby, and then then I have Roger Moore in last. I'm not a Roger Moore Bond fan. It's going to ruffle some feathers as uh, I I know a lot of people uh, are very sentimental towards him. And I believe he's the longest running Bond. I he definitely is consistently because I think he did seven in a row. Well, okay, yeah. Connery did six Eon films, but then it's it's seven if you count Never Say Never Again. But yeah, Roger Moore is I, I might ruffle some feathers right now. And I'm, you know, no apologies to anyone. Brian. Why is uh why is Daniel Craig your favorite? Uh, you know he just took me by surprise there. I didn't have a lot of expectations for him. He's not what I imagined Bond looking like, but I think he did a great job 
you know, again, rebooting the role, showing us what Bond is as, you know, a, a, a person and an agent. And uh, I, I think he just does uh, just does a great job with it. Yeah, and I I think obviously the same. Uh, I think he does everything that Bond wants to be well. Uh, I won't necessarily pick apart the other Bonds, but I think they all have say like one weakness that that's the reason why they're not number one for me. But it it sounds like, and I think this is pretty. Besides the Roger Moore hot take, I think it's pretty consensus that Craig and Brosnan and Connery are pretty high up the list. Um. And I, for me, I, I think mm-hmm. Dalton and Lazenby are. There's, I could take either one. It's really a coin flip. And then I echo the fact that Roger Moore is a clear, clear worst Bond by far. Take that, Internet. Wow. So we're in agreement. Wow. I didn't have him at the bottom of my Bond list, uh, but I, I think I think he does. I think he does a decent job as Bond. Hey, we need someone to flip the script on us. We need you to, to think something different than us. <laughs> Otherwise people are going to come at all of us with pitchforks. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do agree. Like Daniel Craig is amazing. And honestly, like he could be higher on my list. It's for me, it's like those first four guys on like Connery, Dalton, Brosnan and Craig to me all were fantastic in their own right. And it's really just a matter of, I think, personal preference with the character from there. But but I do think Craig has done overall the best acting job. Like he he's been really impressive. So I I respect you guys both having him. And to, to, list. to what you said, Brian, you know, there was a lot of people that were pretty upset when he was announced as Bond. There was a lot of backlash, and even mm-hmm. even though he's first on my list, you could kind of say that he doesn't fit the character or he still wouldn't be like my first choice to be the character let's say because it's not the same image that was there before but he's more than earned everybody's respect absolutely kills it and this will this is official right this will be his last film which comes out in october yes i remember he wanted to say that with skyfall but i think they just offered him too much money to do this one so uh... <laughs> right roll out the brinks truck let's keep we'll it see. yeah <laughs> i'm glad that they did and I think time-wise, he's the longest-running Bond, right? I know Moore had the most films, but oh yeah, I think he's been doing it since 2006 at this point. So it's been 15 years, yeah. and they haven't switched over, which is pretty incredible. Obviously, it's more due to the fact there's been a lot of time in between these films, but he's obviously gotten older, and the fact that he's still doing a pretty physically demanding shoot is is pretty awesome. Yeah, mad props. Mad props, Daniel Craig. But yeah, guys, this this was so much fun. Is there anything else that either you guys wanted to throw out there? I think we hit it. I think we covered everything. Yeah, I am uh, very happy with uh, with all of our lists and just being able to talk James Bond. I, I think the moral of this story comes down to, if you haven't yet, you have to watch all 24 James Bond movies right now in a row. Uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> uh quickly you know uh at, at least one a week if not more do it get ready for no time to die That's yes daniel craig bond film and who's going to be the next bond i i do not know none of us know it's uh the stakes are high they they really are i'm very 
curious and excited to find out who it will be. And until then, you all need to go watch all the films. So again, Brian, thanks so much for coming on today. It's It's been so fun to have you on. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I, I love James Bond. Uh, something that watching all 24 movies uh, day by day has only grown my appreciation of. And uh, I just loved being able to talk about it with you guys as well. It's it, it would have ne- never been possible, honestly, if you didn't bring it up to us. So so thank you. And everyone, please go check out TV Trivia Pod. And what's what's what are your socials again, Brian, so that we can tell everyone to go check it out right now? Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at TV Trivia Pod. That is easy. Very easy. And as, as we always say here, if you want to find us. We're at Top Fives and Deep Dives on Instagram. If you want to email us, topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Tell us that Mike and I are crazy for hating Roger Moore. And yeah, it's 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 been a pleasure, guys. We will see you next week. And let's let uh, Zach's sweet voice take us out. Bye. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town and PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town and PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town and PTM. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantino. Are you for real?